Book One, Chapter One of Amelia, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brooke Cunningham. Amelia by Henry Fielding, Chapter One, containing the exordium and etc. The various accidents which befell a very worthy couple after their uniting in the state of matrimony will be the subject of the following history. The distresses which they waded through were some of them so exquisite, and the incidents which produced these so extraordinary, that they seemed to require not only the utmost malice, but the utmost invention, which superstition hath ever attributed to fortune, though whether any such being interfered in the case, or, indeed, whether they be any such being in the universe, is a matter which I by no means presume to determine in the affirmative. To speak a bold truth, I am, after much mature deliberation, inclined to suspect that the public voice hath, in all ages, done much injustice to fortune, and hath convicted her of many facts in which she had not the least concern. I question much whether we may not, by natural means, account for the success of knaves, the calamities of fools, with all the miseries in which men of sense sometimes involve themselves, by quitting the directions of prudence, and following the blind guidance of a predominant passion. In short, for all the ordinary phenomena which are imputed to fortune, whom, perhaps, men accuse with no less absurdity in life than a bad player complains of ill luck at the game of chess. But if men are sometimes guilty of laying improper blame on this imaginary being, they are altogether as apt to make her amends by ascribing to her honours which she as little deserves. To retrieve the ill consequences of a foolish conduct, and by struggling manfully with distress to subdue it, is one of the noblest efforts of wisdom and virtue. Whoever, therefore, calls such a man fortunate, is guilty of no less impropriety in speech than he would be who should call the statuary or the poet fortunate, who carved a Venus or who writ an Iliad. Life may as properly be called an art as any other, and the great incidents in it are no more to be considered as mere accidents than the several members of a fine statue or a noble poem. The critics in all these are not content with seeing anything to be great without knowing why and how it came to be so. By examining carefully the several gradations which conduce to bring every model to perfection, we learn truly to know that science in which the model is formed as histories of this kind therefore may properly be called models of human life so by observing minutely the several incidents which tend to the catastrophe or completion of the whole and the minute causes whence those incidents are produced we shall best be instructed in this most useful of all arts which i call the art of life end of book one chapter one recording by brooke cunningham from knoxville tennessee